The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome to Just End the Show, everybody. Mike White Stancast is back, Kevin. Mike White. Mike White. We're not going to do a podcast. We're just going to do the chant the whole time. Yeah, we're just going to scream <laughs> Mike White for 35 minutes and call it a day. I think what we should do, here was my thought process. We should really pivot to actually being the Mike White Stancast. And if it doesn't work out for his career, we can kind of just slide into White Lotus content because that guy's name is Mike White. So then we really don't even have to. Ooh. We don't even have to stop the straight. Like at some point, we just gradually phase out the Jets content, and then it becomes more like Prestige TV because nobody's talking about that on podcasts. Lord knows. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen White Lotus, but I'm I would be willing to do it for the podcast. <laughs> I like where your head's at. I like where you're going with this. I'm in on this idea. I can't believe that. Is this Mike White Standcast Part Three? We'd only include the Colts one because that one didn't really count. Right. So we kind of can't. This is really episode two of the Mike White Sandcast. Uh, maybe episode three if you count the Buffalo game last year. That was kind of a rough one for him. I would maintain he was really good in that Colts game before he got hurt. And the Jets probably win that game if he stays healthy. But anyway, <laughs> this guy is unbelievable. He's done it again. And uh, we're, we're not turning back. At least I don't want to. I want to see Mike White out there for the rest of the season. I saw an interesting stat earlier this week that uh, the Vikings, the Jets' opponent next week, is actually ranked dead last. They're 32nd in pass defense. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, Mike White's going to hang 100 on this team. Let's go. The other side of the ball is going to be super interesting. Usually we don't lead with the preview stuff, but the other side is going to be interesting with Justin Jefferson and uh, and Sauce. <laughs> Presumably going toe-to-toe. It's going to be a fun one. But yeah, I mean, what more, what, what can we say about Mike White? We haven't already said a bunch of times and now it's like the whole, the whole world is watching the whole NFL world is watching and it's very exciting uh, to see. And I don't know about you, but just like for me, for some reason, it was about this first drive when he came in, there's something weird in my mind. I was like, if he throws a pick on the first drive, like our season's over, <laughs> like he's going to be bad. And then we're backed into a corner and we had all our shit, but like, if he's good, then here we go. And he came right down the field on them and scored. And I was like, let's go. Here it is. So then uh, even though I think the next one after that was a three and out, I was like, I believe, I believe Mike, we're going to be able to do this. And uh, yeah, it, it was just being able to watch their offense actually function the way that it's supposed to with a functioning quarterback is rare. It's, it's just a real delight to watch. And I don't know. Everything about watching him is fun, like the, his poise and his playmaking and just like the fact that he is not trying to do too much. And there's certain plays like I think it was even on that first drive with the there's a pass to the left. Uh, I think it's Conklin who catches it. And there's a defensive end that is just flying right in Mike White's face uncovered. He's just heading right for him. And Mike White is like doesn't bat an eye. Just boom. There's the ball right there. You're open. I'm giving it to you. And there's no way I think from what we've seen from Zach this year that he doesn't get happy feet there and try to like evade the tackle or do something or or just make a bad decision. Throw it to somebody else who's not open. And to just watch stuff like that, that isn't even like, you know. 
big, you know, highlight reel dazzling plays. Just that kind of competency and and that poise is is so, it's so fun to watch. And so, uh, you know, uh, we're all making the you know the Mike White jokes, and everybody's now kind of on this. But like, there's something to it. It's he's he he. There is really something to this guy. I think. Yeah, this episode is absolutely our victory lap. We've been the premier Mike White stand <laughs> yes. for for almost two full seasons now, and everyone else. What else is new? It's catching up to us, right? <laughs> exactly. They were all behind. We use the word competency, which is like, I think, the perfect word to describe Mike White. And it's exactly what this team needed. It's yeah. competency and consistency. It's all they ever needed from the quarterback position. They didn't need anything spectacular. So we're recording this a little bit late. We're recording this on Wednesday. We already know at this point that. Mike White is going to be the quarterback next week against Minnesota. What we also know is that Mike White has already been named the FedEx Air Player of the Week for his three-touchdown performance. So he actually went 22 for 28 with 315 yards in those three touchdowns, no picks. The stats, I think, to be fair, make it look like even better than it was. There were a couple of sketchy throws that really could have been interceptions, but the point is they weren't. And we've got a guy that's a true leader that people can actually look in the eyes and respect in this locker room who, like you said, he's not going to panic. He's going to spread the ball around. He's going to not take sacks. He's going to not make mistakes. He threw the ball to 10 different receivers. I mean, Zach is somebody that's, what, laser-focused on Corey Davis usually and forgets that Elijah Moore exists. Mike White's spreading the ball around because he's seeing the field and he's finding the open man. I'm not going to come out and say that Mike White is the greatest quarterback to ever live, but when you watch Mike White, the the comp that I see for like a ceiling is Tom Brady because Tom Brady made a career out of staying calm, sliding away from pressure, not running and panicking away from pressure, calmly stepping up in the pocket, sliding to his left, sliding to his right, find the open man, throw an accurate ball. Tom Brady made an entire career off that. And when I watch Mike White, like his mechanics and like his mannerisms, like it's very, it's very Brady-ish. I'm not going to like make the comp because that's like absurd, but you know, you know what I mean? It's like, it looks Brady-ish. Does that make sense? It does. I, I feel like we actually made the comp last year after the Cincinnati game. <laughs> so this is, we've already done this. Um, we've been, we've been here before, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I, I do think there's a couple things. Like you said, one, the interceptable passes is still a problem. He didn't actually throw a pick in this game, but there were two, I think they were pretty up for grabs, definitely, and, and maybe even possibly more. Um, yeah. That's that's one thing, and and then the other thing is that the Bears stink. That defense is terrible. There were guys just wide open all over the field. It felt like during the game. With that said, though, I mean, yeah, I I, I agree with what you're saying about his qualities. the The main thing is that he's not screwing up, <laughs> and that's like a stupid thing to say. But like when you have, if it, it's one thing, if say a play doesn't work because the defense is onto it or it's drawn up poorly or you know just whatever the situation may be, it was raining in this game. Stuff happens, right? that's one thing but it's not a situation where you're holding your breath with Zach like holding the ball being like how how is he going to find a way to kind of screw this screw this up so it's not you know in the situation I don't I don't think like he's I don't think like Mike White is this like super amazing like athlete or anything but that doesn't really matter as long as you have somebody who's kind of getting out there managing the game doing what he can like I said I think on on the pod last week when we were kind of like at that point, weren't sure if he was going to come in, but we were kind of feeling like it was going to happen. I said the point that I didn't think that they had to change a lot of their offensive scheme to put Mike White in here. It wasn't like a situation where you had to like overhaul 
mm-hmm. you know, the whole system to get him in there. And so watching this game, I, I felt kind of validated in that point because I don't know about you, but it didn't feel like they were running a drastically different offense or anything like that to accommodate him. It just feels like when you have somebody who can make those plays, dump offs, can make smart decisions, can make multiple reads on plays, but not panic if somebody's not open on the first one. That's like, that's really what you're asking for. It's not, it's not asking for Patrick Mahomes, this play didn't work and I'm going to turn it into everything or, you know, something like that. It's not that kind of thing. And, th- and that's not really who they need. And with this amount of young offensive talent too, I think the, the sky's the limit if you can continue to be competent, I feel, <laughs> especially with this defense playing like this as well, you know? Yeah, Absolutely. And you mentioned that, you know, hey, it's the Bears, and that's very true, and we can't lose sight of that. It's important not to lose sight that it's the Chicago Bears, right? However, with that said, I think it's important in this game that the Jets won this game 31-10. to It's important to me that they won this game by three touchdowns, and they didn't ultimately let the Bears hang around. Because when you're clearly the better team, the sign of a good team is someone who doesn't play down to their opponents like the the Ravens, for example, love to do this. They're a pretty good team, and they're in a close game in the fourth quarter every week, no matter who they're playing, whether it's the Jags, who they ultimately ended up losing to last week, whether it's the Texans. They're always in tight games. The Chiefs do this sometimes. I don't know if you noticed. There's, like, teams that, like, did not deserve to be in the same stadium as the Chiefs, and yet for some reason, like, Mahomes always has to pull out the win in the last five minutes. I hate it when teams play down to their opponents, and the Jets didn't do that in this game. They were like, look, a, it's the Bears. B, it's not even the Justin Field Bears. It's Trevor Simeon. C, it's Trevor Simeon on a bad oblique. We're spanking this team. Yeah. And that's not the way it played out early. They let the Bears hang around for a half, but they went into the locker room. I don't know what Salah said. I don't know what Jeff Ulbrich said, but that defense came out and they took care of business. It was no more Mr. Nice Guy, and they didn't give up a single point in the second half which I think is is huge in a game like this, to really just take no prisoners because that's the way that this team should be playing. I will say about the defense in the first half, I thought the Bears were getting a little bit lucky. There were a couple of completions, one to Pettis, one to Claypool, that I think they were both DJ Reed, and I thought Reed had like really good coverage on. And you know, sometimes you just get mossed by the receiver, right? That's the NFL. The offense gets paid too. Sometimes those receivers are going to go up and make a play. Right, yeah. But I didn't think it was anything that DJ Reed did really wrong. Maybe they could have had a little better pass rush in the first half, sure. But I thought the Bears got a little lucky as well. This was a pretty good 60-minute effort from both sides. Yeah, what was kind of interesting about the defensive performance, I thought, was that when they came out at the beginning, I think I texted you like, uh-oh, is Trevor Simeon pulling a Mike White on Mike White? Like, it, it had this weird <laughs> feeling like... You know, yeah, what, there were there were some missed tackles. Like I'm looking at that. Like uh, one of the big gains on that first drive was the missed tackle. There was uh, maybe a little bit of um, a slight change in the game plan. If if they still thought for a while that Fields might be in there, plus uh, it's raining. Plus there's just certain things that happen at the beginning of the game sometimes that can be kind of fluky. So those first two drives didn't look they didn't look that good. Uh, they gave up the field goal and the touchdown, but. Yeah, pretty much after that, they they stood down. They stood, they, you know, they stood up, I should say, and like never and and never uh, kind of backed down from that point. It, it felt like they were really dialed in, and and it's so interesting because this whole game, I'm kind of everybody. I think all the Jets fans are kind of watching the offense because it's about Mike White coming in. It's about like the future of the team, and yeah, and we're we're like already somehow are we were like already getting weirdly numb to the fact that like. 
oh yeah, of course they're like not going to give up points in the second half, and they're only going to give up ten. Like w- I was thinking last year about the uh, the Mike White experience because we had that Bengals game, right, which is amazing. Then they had the Colts game, and that Colts game was like the whole thing we were talking about in the post game pod after was how terrible the defense is. Jonathan Taylor that is running all over them; they can't stop anything. So it's like. Like you were saying, Mike White got hurt, but even even still, like it, it's one of those games that just the defense was absolutely just just killing them, and they were like the worst possible defense in the league at that point. And now we're we're in the situation where it's like we can we have the luxury as fans to be able to kind of pontificate about well, is is you know if is Mike White really going to be the guy, and is like how is this all going to play out for this young team? Because we don't have to worry about a defense that is just, you know, just getting swallowed up by by big playmakers. And I think outside of like a few missed tackles at the beginning and some some kind of strange plays here and there, like, uh, yeah, just another amazing, solid performance. And like it it really is going to be interesting to see the challenge against a team like the Vikings, you know, who, who can score, score points and who can get big plays. So we're going to I think they're going to definitely get a lot bigger of a challenge next week. There's no question about that. Yeah, and it's it's a team that's really playing complementary football right now. When you talk about last year's team and last year's defense and getting walked on, let's look at the names on this defense this year versus last year. About half of it is the same, right? Like C.J. Mosley, Quinn and Williams. These are a lot of guys who were on the roster last year. Right. And they made some, like, just a few key additions. And it's amazing how much your defensive tackle looks when he's got two competent defensive ends next to him. It's amazing how good your corners look when they have a competent safety behind them in Jordan Whitehead, right? Absolutely, yeah. Quincy Williams and CJ Mosley have to do a little bit less because they've got Quan Alexander next to them now. Yeah. So, you know, just bringing in a few of those key guys, like it really just gelled the whole defense and they could there's no there's no holes on the unit that you could pick on as an opposing offense. There's nobody you, you can just sort of go out there and target and it's clear how good They've been communicating and how good they've been working together. I want to talk a little bit about the receivers in this game. You brought this up already, that the majority of Mike White's throws were to wide open receivers, and I totally agree. About 20 of those 22 completions were to Jets that were pretty much wide open. That comes with taking what the defense gives you. It comes with checking the ball down when you're supposed to check the ball down and taking shots downfield when you've got a shot downfield to take, which is what Mike White did. Obviously, the Bears had absolutely no answer for Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson went off for five catches, 95 yards in those two touchdowns, the second of which obviously probably doesn't happen if we don't get a hamstring injury mid-play. But it's a touchdown nonetheless. Elijah Moore finally got on the board with his first touchdown in the year. He reeled in two for 64 so real huge credit to these Jets wide receivers for getting mm-hmm. wide open all day. And that's what I'm excited about yep. the rest of the season. It makes Mike White's job so much easier. We can talk about, you know, how little we really expect from him. But when he has to throw to wide open guys, it really illustrates that the problem really was Zach. I don't think that Wilson and Moore and Corey Davis just showed up this week. You know what I mean? Like, right. I think the fact that they were wide open in this game probably means they were wide open all along and they just didn't have a competent enough quarterback to find them. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I mean, it's it's a funny thing because, yeah, I guess I'm going to echo what you're saying. Like, it's not I'm I'm not taking anything away from him for the fact that guys are wide open. That's also a good thing. But it's going to be interesting to, to see going forward. 
the whole pushing the throwing the ball downfield thing we haven't seen that a ton from him but it's also one of those things where if the short passes are working and if the offense is working and if the run game is working which is also happening in this game you don't really need to do that you know you don't really need to make like big connections and be that and be that kind of quarterback so it's not a situation where i'm like even saying that some of these things are weaknesses it's like we haven't seen them yet you know what i mean like we have such a small sample size of his career at this point that we can't really under you know we can't uh, totally write off things that are strengths and weaknesses i think at this point i mean i think there are strengths you can see that we've already discussed in his decision making and boy plays and right and uh, he is accurate he made a couple tight window throws it's not like he yeah he was really accurate all game We've been on him for a while now, you know, so it's uh, it's nice to it's nice to kind of see people catching up to it as well. But it's going to be fascinating to see because I think if I had to guess, there probably will be games that there's struggles, will be games that there's interceptions and stuff thrown. But the question isn't necessarily so much is there going to be struggles as like how much higher of a ceiling this team is ha- has just based on like we're saying his kind of base level of competency. Because I think you know when you're playing tougher opponents than the Bears. There are going to probably be situations where he's going to need to step up and make big plays like they're down, you know, they're down late in games and that kind of stuff. And right. it'll be interesting to see just because we haven't seen it. It's not like to say. And listen, if we're putting it on the receivers, I'm fine with that. That's the strength of this team. Yeah. If we're losing in the fourth quarter, we need a touchdown drive, the pressure on them. Say, hey, you guys got to get free. Mike White's not the kind of quarterback who's going to throw somebody open like a Brady or a Roger or vintage Rogers would do. Right. So if the onus is on them to get open, he'll find you if you're open. But that's on them to break away from defenders. And and frankly, I'm fine with that. I definitely want to get into the running game, which you touched on briefly, that it was really working in this game. And especially keep some praise on Zonovan Knight. Yes. We called for two things on last week's episode. We begged Salah to start Mike White, which of course he did, and we begged to see some Zonovan Knight in this game. Activated last minute off the practice squad, ends up leading the team in carries, 14 carries, 69 yards. That's 4.9 yards a clip, by the way. Giggity. And then Zonovan also added three catches for 34, so he went over 100 yards in his first game in the NFL, and he looked really fast. He was elusive. He was breaking tackles. He showed good hands in the receiving game. He had the most rushing yards of any running back playing their first game as a Jet. So congrats to Zonovan. Yeah. For a team that was already down, Brees Hall, they lose Michael Carter to an ankle injury. And you start to worry when you're in a Brees or Carter, Zonovan Knight and even Ty Johnson held down the fort. It was I was really happy to see that this team goes four deep at running back. That was cool. It was very surprising. I think we even, we both, even while we were calling for Zonovan, we're like, we're not even sure if he's good, but we, you know, like we just have to change something up here. So, um, or have to fill in the gap, you know, as it were. And it turns out he is good. It turns out he is good. And we get to say Zonovan, which is awesome. Although his nickname is Bam, I found out. I didn't find that out until after the game, but that's okay. Yeah, we learned that today. Bam night. We got both sides of the ball. We got Bam and Sauce. Bam and Sauce. First, myself, if my name was as cool as Zonovan, I don't even think I'd go with the nickname. But it's his it's his prerogative. It's his name. I didn't make the NFL, so, you know. Um, <laughs> it was just, just narrowly missed it. Speaking of nicknames, did you catch the nickname for Greg Zerline in this game? He's Greg the Leg, yeah. Uh, Greg Zerline, as we all know, Greg the Leg, turns out he, he preferred Legatron, which I thought was interesting. I have heard that before, but when the guy, when the announcer brought that up right before he, or was it after he made the uh, fifty-seven yarder? Yeah, or right around then, or something. In the rain, 
amazing. He's he's really something, isn't he? He'll miss point afters, but then he'll hit 57 yarders in the rain. He's really something else. But yep. yeah, I had heard the Legatron thing, and I was like, oh yeah, I think I heard that like a million years ago before everyone started calling him Greg the Leg. So. Has Calvin Johnson weighed in on that, that he's kind of honing in on his, like, swagger a little bit there? <laughs> yeah. Have we consulted Megatron? Does, does he have that copy written? Like, Gino wanted to copyright the... Um, ain't right back? Ain't right back thing. Does is Yeah, yeah. you can't really copyright Megatron because that's... Hey, man, if, if, listen, so. Mike White is uh, the ain't right back player of the week in my book. I mean, how many people wrote him off? Exactly. Low round draft pick by the Dallas Cowboys gets cut, <laughs> and here he is winning football games. Did you realize he's been on the team since 2019? I did. Yeah, he'd been kind of buried on the depth chart a bit, but I, yeah. I the name at least I did I did recognize. Yeah, he's been on the team for a minute. He predates Rob Sala. Yeah, because when he did the first episode of this show where we were going through the position groups, we were all like, "Mike White, is this a real name?" Remember that's kind of how it started, and then. Mm-hmm. When he came in, we were like, he's real, he's spectacular, he's the next Tom Brady, <laughs> this team's going to the Super Bowl. We didn't do, we didn't say all that stuff, but we were pretty I did, and now we're back. Now that's where we are again. And <laughs> now we're back. Welcome back. This time, we have a team that uh, doesn't give up whatever amount of, what was that, 45 points a game, I think they were giving up yeah. at, uh, at a clip at, that, at this point last year. So we're doing, we're doing a little bit better with the 10 points. Let's take another quick break uh, so we could get into Minnesota next week. So coming back, the Jets are taking on the Vikings in Minnesota next week. As we mentioned, the Vikings rank dead last in pass defense, so it'll be interesting to see how open Wilson and Moore are able to get in this game. At this moment on Wednesday night, the Jets are three-and-a-half-point underdogs to Minnesota, which I think is reasonable. Obviously, the Vikings are 9-2. Are and two. They're one of the quote-unquote elite teams in the NFC. Uh, say what you want about Kirk Cousins or everyone thinking that they're frauds, and maybe they are a little bit. We'll get into that. But they're still one of the elite teams in the NFC, and they they deserve to be favored, especially in their own building. But I think it says a ton about Mike White and about this Bears game that the Jets are only three-and-a-half-point underdogs. You could see this game being five or, or, or six, right? Yeah, I mean, if you had to predict it at the beginning of the year, we would have gone with, like, 20? <laughs> 10 or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um Although I don't know if we would have thought that the Vikings were going to be this good either, so there there'd be a little bit of that. But yeah, I uh, I, I agree with you. Yeah, it makes sense. How about the f- respect on Mike White that the line moved? Did it move? It moved. It was at, it was seven and a half at game time for this Bears thing. Yeah, and I think it started at three when there was the potential that Zach was going to play. Yeah, it's crazy how much that moved, and it's wild to think that the Jets would be favored by more than a touchdown against. Anybody? I know. Right? I mean, like, <laughs> and it, they covered, obviously. So they covered and then some. Yeah, because I think they, um, I think the line moved. I think that was like the final movement. I think it basically sat at like six and a half or seven for a while. And then there were people hitting it like on Saturday night and Sunday. So they moved it again. Yeah, the Vikings, this is going to be a real challenge. I mean, and it's interesting because with teams like, Minnesota, it's kind of, it's almost like the opposite thing of what's happening with the Jets, right? There's people who kind of had the, were like, okay, waiting for the Jets to fall off. Are they going to fall off? What What is this? They're getting these games. And Minnesota was the opposite. It's like, okay, they're winning, they're winning, but are we sure? Are we sure this is happening? So this is kind of like the unstoppable force, immovable object game or something where it's like, mm-hmm. like, which one is going to be, is it, is it that, are the Jets for real, for real, for real, and can actually like go into Minnesota and beat a, 
certainly like a playoff team and and, and a real contending team. Or would it go the other way where if Minnesota kind of beats us down here, then that would be a validation that they were actually good and we were frauds or something like that. So there's, it seems like there's a lot of stake here. I, I don't think that that's going to happen. I, I don't think that it's going to be lopsided in either direction. It should be it should be a close game on paper. Like you said, there's some good matchup stuff, especially with the past game with Mike White having that open up and having the receiving talents and him spreading the ball around like this too, throwing to different receivers is going to be good against a bad pass offense or sorry, pass defense. Mm-hmm. But the other side of the ball is going to be super interesting. I mentioned before the uh, the vaunted, we're going to have a sauce on uh, Justin Jefferson game. and. I got to say that Justin Jefferson watching that uh, that stuff, like watching him on Thanksgiving, the guy is just unbelievable. It's in, it's pretty incredible to watch. It's going to be really rough rooting against that, I imagine. But we're going to see how it goes. I think Minnesota does make sense as a three-point favorite on paper, but I think that the Jets have the, the tools to be able to, to win this game. I really do. Yeah, I don't think there's a defensive back in the world that's capable of covering Justin Jefferson. But if there was, maybe it's Sauce Gardner. I still think that Sauce is the best cornerback in the league. He's got the size. He's got the length to hang with Jefferson. So that'll be like the super interesting matchup to watch. He shut down a lot of really good receivers this year. I think Justin Jefferson, no disrespect to Stefan Diggs, but I think Justin Jefferson is probably the best wide receiver Sauce has faced so far in his early career. I don't love the matchups for the Vikings offense at any real marquee position, though, I got to say, as good as Thielen is, you've got DJ Reed to slow that down. They've got KJ Osborne. We've got MC2. The Jets are pretty stout against the run with Quinn Williams, so you don't know how much damage Dalvin Cook's going to be able to do against them. I think, if anything, that's the path for Minnesota is maybe throw the ball to Dalvin Cook out of the backfield. Yeah. If the Jets do have an Achilles heel on defense, it's linebackers and coverage. I don't think that Mosley is as fast as he used to be. Yeah, agreed. Quincy is extremely fast, but just not terribly sticky in coverage. And Quan Alexander's lost a little bit of a step over the years, a veteran linebacker. So if anything, I'm worried about Dalvin Cook receiving out of the backfield, especially if these defensive ends do their job and, and heat up Kirk Cousins. But that's also one of the reasons I'm excited, because I think the Jets will be able to get to Kirk Cousins in this game. And we know that if you put Cousins under pressure... He's going to make some throws into coverage. Kirk Cousins has been one to force a ball a time or two. He's got that Brett Favre syndrome where maybe he believes in his arm a little too much. And maybe we might see a little uh, interception in this game, a little Jordan Whitehead, a little Marcus Joyner, right? Safety playing center field interception. I'm scared of this Vikings offense because of the names they have. But I do kind of like the matchups for the Jets on the other side of the ball. And then if you look at the Jets offense going against the Vikings defense. This Vikings defense has been like, they're 9-2, and two, so they can't have played that bad. But, you know, they were really shaky against Buffalo. Patrick Peterson is not the guy he was 10 or even two years ago. I'd like Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore and Corey Davis's ability to get open in this game. If I was recommending get bet, I kind of like the value you get with the Jets on the money line, a plus 145. What do you think, Kev? Is there a Jets bet that you're comfortable with? This past week I did Jets to win, Garrett Wilson to score a touchdown, and unfortunately I had the under, so it didn't work. But if you want to throw out the uh, over-under over thing, you think the Jets are going to win, I would go with the, uh, I would throw in some 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 TD bets. I, I'm not looking at the odds, but if we got like 
some maybe some uh, Elijah Moore action. We get get a little bit of uh, a. I, I recommend rooting for Garrett Wilson to score a touchdown. It was really fun and it happened immediately, so that was really awesome. Uh, I, so that would be that would be one. If you think the Jets are going to pull it out, I think you get you'd get solid. Yeah, if you're in, you'd want to rock something even more than just the old money line. You can you can toss in some uh, some t- anytime touchdown scorers. We really got to get a sponsor so we can just. Uh, we can have our stupid faces on the FanDuel app, <laughs> yeah. like promoting bets. Um, just on the yeah, show parlay bump. Yeah. So, <laughs> I actually don't love touching the under over in this game. It's all the way up to 45 yeah. and a half, which for a Jets game, ooh, that's got to be the highest number we've seen this year for this team, no matter who we're playing. 45 and a half is um, not impossible with the way these two teams are capable of playing offense, but uh, I don't know about that. I don't know if I trust that. I don't love the under either. I think there's this game has high shootout potential, but I I stay away from that under over forty five and a half. I'm not touching that. Yeah, I wouldn't bother. The uh, I, I've been burned so much on over unders this year. I think I'm just out. They've like ruined all my parlays whenever I throw them in. They're always so tempting because it's like, well, I, I think it'll be low scoring, and then yeah, uh, and then Mike White. I'm watching the game, being like, Mike White is single handedly going to cost me this, but and you know what? I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> I am fine yeah. with taking that hit. On the injury front, Michael Carter is questionable with an ankle injury. Salah called Carter day-to-day. This is a bummer. So it's possible he plays in this game. Although, as we know, Zonovan Knight is more than capable of taking on that load. As it turns out. As it turns out, yeah. Ashton Davis was a do-not-play at practice today. Again, we're recording this on Wednesday. So Carter, Ashton Davis, Cedric Abuche, who's now a backup anyway, DJ Reed, non-injury reasons, was a do-not-play. I expect he'll be out there against Minnesota, considering it's not injury. I'm sure he's fine. And then Dwayne Brown, Kenny Yeboah, and Sheldon Rankins were limited. Mm. So Sheldon Rankins did sit out the game against the Bears. It will be nice to have him back against Minnesota. I assume if he's limited... On a Wednesday practice, that means he's probable for Sunday. I think it's a safe bet. We see the return of Sheldon Rankins in this game. And then on the other side for Minnesota, Christian Darashaw, one of the more important offensive linemen for Minnesota, who they really rely on to help keep Kirk Cousins upright, had a concussion in last week's game, mm. and he did not practice on Wednesday. So if there's no Darashaw, that's like you're licking your chops here. If you're Michael Clemens and Jermaine Johnson and John Franklin Myers, you're really excited that you might have a couple good shots at getting the quarterback. Harrison Smith was limited in practice today, but that guy's a tank. I'd be shocked if he doesn't suit up. And then really no one else of note on the injury status for the Vikings. So this should be a good one. I, I expect that it, it, it will be close. If you want a really safe bet, maybe take the Jets getting a little more points on an alt line. Maybe the Jets plus seven and a half. If you could bump that a few points, that's kind of the sure thing. Yeah, there you go. That's like the opposite. We say never lay the points, but yeah, if you're going to, if you're going to take points, take as many as you can get and have the odds still be, you know, reasonable. I was going to say about the, uh, the game itself though, is the strategy here. If, if you were looking at it from the other side, is the strategy you think to force white to try to go deep? If you were the Vikings defense, do you think that would be a strategy or because or, I'm trying to figure out like what it seems like he has so many strengths, like passing over the middle and like those short passes and kind of like getting the ball out of his hand quickly. Right. That's like definitely the game plan with him. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if like 
you know, is the game plan that would would you say if you were them to kind of sit back and like kind of try to have him like force force him to beat you with like kind of like trying to scramble because I I don't know about like any of the any of that with him like I say just based on what we've seen so far not to say like we don't we don't know what he can and can't do you know yeah I think you're exactly right I think that's the formula if you're the Vikings it's get pressure on him because while he does have good pocket awareness he's not the most mobile quarterback in the world so get pressure on him to make him get rid of the ball faster than he wants to right and then it's you're right it's cover the checkdowns take away the easy stuff force him to beat you down the field now I think Mike White is capable of doing that and I think the Jets run game will keep him out of a lot of those pass rush situations. If you stay away from second and long and third and long, if you were able to move the sticks on the early downs, it's a lot tougher for teams to just pin their ears back and blitz you. Right. So I think that the Jets run game will probably be the difference in this one. Carter's health and then performances of Zonovan and Ty Johnson respectfully, even in his absence. If the Jets run the ball well in this game, I think they cruise to victory. Maybe that's the Jets bet. The money line combined with the rushing yards over, perhaps. With the rushing yards, yeah. Yeah, that might, that might be it. Um, Although, be careful of player rushing yards, because we don't know how much we're going to get out of cart. Right, yeah. The game might end up hinging on that, which is interesting, because I think that if, looking at it from their perspective, it seems like the idea would be to kind of take advantage of the fact that this is, um, you know, while good, definitely not the ideal uh, rushing unit that the Jets were looking to trot out here uh, toward the you know at the beginning of the season. So if um y- yeah yeah if you if you're looking from their perspective, I think that would be kind of the kind of the game plan. So I think if you're the Jets, you do have to kind of counteract that theoretical possibility, right? You want to make sure that you're focused in on maybe having that drawing up plays in a certain way that doesn't allow it, so that if something if if there's this problem where he he does get out of rhythm. Or, or something like that, then, you know, you can at least have the run game to, to rely on. But I think, yeah, the, I, I, I don't, I, I don't know what I, it's like I'm slightly nervous that something is going to go horribly wrong, like how we were all high on him and then he got injured in the Colts game and it felt like we were like back at square one. But again, it, you know, we're not with that, we're not at back at square one defensively. So that's the good thing is that I think the defense can always keep them in this game. So at the very least, even the competency of Mike White is enough to kind of, I think, carry them out to at least close games against these good opponents, if not actual victories, you know. And here we are, like, you know, here, here we are late in the season, like pretty late in the season at this point, and we're talking about matchups against playoff teams in which we think we can win. I, I, neither you nor I predicted we would be in this spot. I think we were high on the lineup going into the year, and it was kind of like Zach's a question mark, but, like, this unit is good. But... I didn't anticipate this at all. I thought we would still be looking at games where we're like, yeah, there's no chance here. You know what I mean? <laughs> this late in the season. Right, right. And, you know, absolutely. And look, the Jets are 7-4. and four. Yeah. So we're one of those playoff teams that other teams are worried about. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's not where it's like, I don't know what to do with my hands, you know? <laughs> it's like, I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Defensively for the Jets in this one, the game plan is simple. Stop the run. Put two people on Justin Jefferson. Yes. And heat up Kirk Cousins. Because if you pressure Kirk Cousins, one, he's extremely sackable, and two, he's going to throw you one. Oh, I thought you were going to, the third step was going to be to set Kirk Cousins' watch to make it seem like it's 7.30 p.m. Oh, my God. Like, oh, wait. 
Oh, it's a night yeah. game? Yeah. We, oh, we okay. do get 1 o'clock p.m. Kirk Cousins, which is disappointing. I was hoping yeah. the NFL, because we're 7-4 and four and they're 9-2. and two, Can they right? flex this? Can they flex this to Sunday night? It's not night? too Come late. On. It's Come only on. Wednesday. Goodell. Goodell, please. This is the one that people want to see. They want to see Sauce and Jefferson. <laughs> they want to see. flex this to Sunday night football. We're right. begging you. How can you deny America the opportunity to see Kirk Cousins in primetime? Give me primetime Kirk again. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. We need it. There is a there has to be a Jets night game at some point this year, right? Every team in the NFL does get one primetime game. Yes. If you suck ass, your primetime game is usually Thursday. If you're good, we'll give you a Monday. I think that's the deal. We've usually had one by now. Is it? It must be. Yeah, it must be later. <laughs> Am I forgetting? Uh, Have we had one already that I just blacked out or don't remember? Was it a Joe Flacco game or something? I, I, that's what I was about. I was about to say, uh oh, shit, did I totally screw? <laughs> but I don't think so. I don't think we've had a primetime game yet. I'm gonna go back. Game by game, I'm going to just make sure really quick while we've got it in front of us. <laughs> so Jets-Jags is a night game. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> which I'm guessing was more enticing. Well, not that it was ever enticing, but uh, they're going uh, They're going for a... Uh, they were thinking this was going to be the uh, Lawrence versus Wilson part two thing. <laughs> and if, if you just take a look at the rest of the Jets schedule, including that night game on December 22nd, uh, Merry Christmas, you get to play the Jags. Uh, if you look at the rest of their schedule, it's Minnesota at Buffalo versus Detroit versus Jacksonville at Seattle at Miami. So the Jets are 7-4 and four as it stands right now. Let's say, for example, they lose this Vikings game to the 9-2 and two Vikings. Very plausible. Uh-huh. That makes them 7-5. and five. They're probably 7-6 and six at that point because I don't think we're beating Buffalo twice. Yeah, that's, the Buffalo thing seems like an L right now. It feels like you should just pencil that in, even though... Buffalo hasn't been great, but still. Exactly. So to me, it's that three-game stretch after that that really makes or breaks the season. This game against Minnesota, important, of course, but the Detroit, Jacksonville, Seattle part of the schedule, you've got to check those boxes. I mean, Detroit and Jacksonville are must-wins, or must-get-the-W. They really should beat Seattle. They don't think they're going to beat Miami if two, two is healthy. I wouldn't be shocked because we've got the secondary to handle that team, but uh, if if you count Miami, Buffalo, and Minnesota as L's, as long as you beat the Lions, the Jags, and the Seahawks the rest of the year, that's three and three from this point out. That gets the Jets to ten wins, and if we're winning ten games, we're making the playoffs. I know. I don't think the Patriots are catching us a ten win. I think the Pats are finished. Put a fork in that team. I'm sorry. You wanted to bet the last in division, but you couldn't find a way to do it. <laughs> you could bet any team you want to win a division. I couldn't find a, this team will finish fourth place bet. Yeah. Um, because the Patriots would have been plus odds for that because everyone thought we were finishing last. Au contraire. I knew we were better than them. And it's a, it's, it's a shame. And I think now that the Jets are back in the playoff picture, right, with this win and the Patriots loss on Thanksgiving, we did leapfrog them. It's us back in the playoff picture. So it's the Jets controlling their own destiny. I think three and three gets it done as much as I, I would love to uh, beat the Vikings, Bills, and Finns. Right, I think that's true, and I think yeah, it's it's kind of the tr the question is which which trap do you walk into there? Is it like Lions? You know, there's something there's something about that three game stretch where it's like, you know, because um, Seattle could like us legitimately beat them, but I I don't I think the shine is kind of off of the Seattle apple at this point, right? I mean, there's certain yeah, things yeah, they're that turning back team, into a pumpkin. Yeah, that that there's certain things that like that team just can't. 
there's certain things they just can't do at all, and that <laughs> starts to cost you as as the year goes on. But yeah, we got the Geno revenge factor. God, there's some interesting. Yeah, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a crazy finish. I, I'm I'm alternately excited for the podcast after some of these, and also like equally equal measures terrified of like what kind of like crazy horror could potentially belie us here. But mm-hmm. you know. That's that's what you that's what you sign up for <laughs> when you're when you're uh, a fan of this team and yeah this has been definitely like one of the craziest years I can remember so uh, for Jet season so it's gonna be it's gonna be a roller coaster ride but this is really as we're looking at the rest of the schedule here like the Vikings this Vikings game is it safe to say like as of right now this is like the best team they're playing for the remainder of the stretch I I would put them above. Buffalo, or well, I mean, even though Buffalo really should be better, and they should have beaten the Vikings head to head. Yeah, that I'm not even taking that game into account. It's just like that crazy catch, but yeah, I mean, I guess it's these two. Yeah, it's Vikings, Bills, and then it's like teams we should beat, and then it's the Finns in Week 17, Week 18, Game 17. But are we sure they're even going to? Do you think they'll need it at that point? I mean, the AFC East is going to be so tight that I guess there's not going to be any that you know. That's the exciting part of it to me is that you're almost hoping that the Bills take a little bit of a nosedive here. No offense to our Bills fan listeners, just because it would be nice if the Dolphins already had the division locked up by week 18 yeah. and they don't throw Tua out there and maybe they don't throw Tyreek Hill out there and we, we get a second game against Teddy Two Gloves or whoever the hell that third quarterback is that we beat. <laughs> Skyler, um, Skyler White. Skyler White, yeah. So that's <laughs> Skyler White back in. We were good against <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be pretty cool. I don't suspect that'll be the case. I I assume at this point it's a while away, but I assume the Dolphins will go full tilt in that game because you're right. They'll probably need it for the division. Or hey, maybe it goes the other way. Maybe Buffalo is already clinched by that point. Maybe Miami's cl- you know punched their ticket to the wild card berth, and so they don't need that game for really any reason. That's what I'm hoping for. Especially with the two a season, like any available rest he could get, I think that you'd be like literally irresponsible to not give him. So absolutely, I just realized if it was, it would be Skyler versus White, <laughs> Skyler Thompson versus Mike White, <laughs> the Skyler White game. Yeah, <laughs> remember when he had Walt? Wasn't there a Walt Austin Walter last year? Was that yeah, his name? A running back, Austin. Yeah, Walter. and it was uh, says Walter and White. Then we get Skyler yeah, and that was a lot of fun. It all works out. <laughs> I've noticed that with Zonovan playing so well, this game was a white night game. White night. Yeah. I I think, was that the, the New York Post headline was white knights or something? <laughs> white knight in shining armor or something like that? Oh, yeah. Was it? Or it was, must have been white. It must have been Mike White something. Like white. Yeah. Well, that's going to wrap things up for us at Just End the Show. You mispronounced Mike White's Stancast. We'll be back next week to talk about the results of that Jets-Vikings game. And Mike White, we trust. Enjoy the games, everybody. Kevin, just end the Stancast. Just end the